0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Scallion Pancake podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. What a week. Uh, This week, we had a very special guest who was super fun, Tim. Uh, His Instagram account is timtimtoco. You've never heard of him because he just moved to Charlotte, but he was a um, judge for the 50 best world restaurants when he lived in Singapore. He's lived all over the world, gone to some of the best restaurants, and it was a super fun conversation, and you should all follow him on Instagram. So everyone, take a listen. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week. All right. hello everyone,
1: welcome to the Sky and Pancake Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman, and I am Tim Depew, also known as Tim Tim Tokyo. We've got Tim Tim Tokyo here. Very excited. Um, so
0: the reason why I wanted to have you on is and you. are... So you live in Charlotte now. Yes. You have an Instagram account, but you have also eaten all. In all over the world, you were a um, judge for the world's 50 best restaurants in Asia. And yeah, to like the best restaurants in the world. Yes. And um, so I think this is going to be really cool for people in Charlotte to kind of get a world perspective on what you think about Charlotte. So first, tell us how you got to Charlotte.
1: <laughs> um, that's I, I wish it were a more interesting story than it actually is. Um, so I was living in Singapore for the past like six, six and a half years and, you know, I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, it, it felt like home to me, but you know, for better or for worse, Singapore, um, was becoming a lot like the U S is like, they're very averse to foreign workers. So it got to the point where, you know, my employment pass wasn't able to be renewed. So I had to leave the country. Um, and I moved back to the States for the second time. So I, I, You know, I'd moved back to the States once before I lived in Tokyo for 10 years, Um, moved back to the States once before, and it was super easy for me to find a job. Like, I think within two or three months, I found a job in New York and I was good to go. When I moved back to the States this time, it was so hard. And I don't know if it was just like, you know, the time of the year or the pandemic sort of setting in. But I, I think I applied to like 100 jobs or something. It was it was very Disheartening, and eventually I found a role here in in Charlotte. And and you know my boss who hired me said, look, you know technically you can work wherever you want, but I really need you to be in Charlotte. And so I was like, what what am I going to say? I'm going to say no to a job. <laughs> and so you know that's how I ended up in Charlotte. Never been to North Carolina before. Never owned a car before, so I had to buy a car <laughs> to move out here. Did I, you have I, a
0: driver's license?
1: I had a driver's license, yes. Yeah, so that wasn't an issue. But I never owned a car. I, I moved into my my apartment here sort of sight unseen, which was a huge mistake. Like, I, I'm living in South End, which, uh, oh, my God, don't get me started on South End. Um, and so I'm here. I'm trying to make the best of it. <laughs> so where,
0: where were you born? Where are you from originally in the U.S.?
1: I, I'm from Illinois
0: originally, a small town called Decatur. I know Decatur. There's, like, something... There's some tax thing there. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, tell us, so you moved from the U.S. and you were living in Tokyo. Yep. Um. So, how did you get into writing about food and getting into food?
1: Yeah, so, it, it was kind of like a two-pronged journey, I guess. I think living in Japan was what really got me sort of on the food journey. I mean, the absolute best food you'll ever have in the world is in Japan. I mean, the best Japanese food, yes, obviously, but the best French food you'll have, and I will fight you to the death on this, you'll find it in Japan. The best Italian food, you'll find it in Japan. I mean, just the whole food culture there, I think, is what really kind of set me on that path. The writing aspect, So, so funnily enough, my undergraduate degree is in writing. It didn't start that way. Like I originally started undergrad as a chemical engineering major (laughs) and then I, and then I switched to writing, like I thought, you know, how how my life would be different. I don't know. Um, So I switched to writing, but you know, that kind of, you know, after I graduated and after I started working in banking, that kind of got pushed to the side. And then, um, you know, in Singapore, I had a friend who, you know, he was really into Instagram And he saw that I was posting a lot of pictures on Facebook. And he's like, well, no one's going to see your pictures on Facebook. No one's going (laughs) to see what you write. You have to join Instagram. Um, And, you know, that's how I ended up with Tim Tim Tokyo. Because when I signed up, when I I re-signed up for Instagram, apparently I already had a profile. And so I just decided to leave it as Tokyo, even though I was living in Singapore. And it kind of just went from there. I was posting my food pics. um, And then the writer in me sort of, you know, found that as it was a good outlet for, for what I was feeling and what I wanted to say. Um, And, you know, and, and I didn't approach it from like the usual sort of, I don't know what you want to call it, like the food influencers on Instagram. Like I was, I, I, I tried to like differentiate myself from that, from that lot by being maybe more thoughtful about what I was writing, maybe a bit more, um you know using more imagery, using a lot more of like the writer aspect or the the writer in me to 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 describe the experiences I was having with food, so it just kind of went from there so how'd you get involved with the world's fifty best through instagram actually through instagram like um i mean I think everything I've done from a writer perspective was just based on instagram like you know, even even eventually when I started writing for Lifestyle Asia in Singapore, that was all based on Instagram. But for World's 50 Best and Asia 50 Best, um, it just came from Instagram posts. Like I think um, the the chairperson, the Southeast Asia chairperson, she sort of mines Instagram for for potential for potential panelists or, or what we're called. And so I remember her. I had gone to a couple of restaurants that I think she considers to be her, her favorites. and so I th- my, my impression is that she sort of looks for people who tend to have the same tastes as she does in the hopes that those restaurants will get more votes. Like it's a very <laughs> it's, a, it's a very weird political process that I, I didn't really like toward the end. Um, but she just reached out to me really randomly on, on, on Instagram one day and asked me if I'd be interested. Um, And this was for Asia 50 Best. And then I think maybe a few months after that, she reached out again and said that one of the world's 50 Best panelists wasn't able to complete their voting in time for the deadline and asked if I wanted to take over. So that's how I ended up doing that. So for those of you that don't know, this is it's sponsored by San Pellegrino,
0: but it's uh, it's an organization that ranks all the the best restaurants in the world. And they also do subsections in the different continents. So they have Asia, they have North America, <coughs> South America, or yep. Latin America. Um, and that's like last year, um, what was what was number one?
1: Oh, uh, uh, I'm going to... Is it like Mirazur? Like... Mir- yeah, Mirazur, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, it
0: was yes, number yes, one. Yes. Noma's been number one four or five times. Uh, Austria Francescana so it's like and it's considered um I think it's like considered what most chefs want to like it's the best list there's a Michelin guide but that's yeah. only in certain places um yeah. certain big cities so the, the world's 50 best is like yeah. that's a big deal it's a big deal
1: it's a big deal, it's a big deal, and you know it was it was fun to be i mean initially initially it was i feel like I'm gonna spill a lot of tea here, but initially it was very fun sorry to no one listened that process to no, it's fine. <laughs> it was it was fun to be part of that process because well number one there there are actual rules that you and 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 criteria you have to fulfill to be a judge like you have to you get ten votes but like a certain number of those restaurants that you vote for, you have to be outside of your geographic region. Okay. I was lucky to be in Singapore. So I I spent a lot of time going back and forth from, from Thailand, um, between Thailand and Singapore. And luckily Thailand was considered to be a different region from Singapore. Um, So that, you know, easily fulfilled those criteria for me for worlds. It It was the same criteria, but I think it was a little more lenient. Like, I I think you had to be just like maybe one or two restaurants outside of your geographic region for like, you know, a calendar year or something like that. But so that bit was fun. And, you know, for me, you know, there were a couple of restaurants in Singapore and there was one particularly in Malaysia that I was just absolutely obsessed with. So being able to vote for those and its preferential voting. Right, so you know your first place choice gets you know like ten points. Your second place choice gets like nine points. So you know putting putting the restaurants that you really love kind of at the top of the list to get them more points. That that bit of the process was fun. I think what started to be less fun for me, especially as a panelist, was to to see the stress that that put on restaurants. To see the stress that that put yeah, on yeah. chefs because. These guys, you know, they work so bloody hard and, and they work so bloody hard to get on these lists and they're so excited when they do get on these lists that then the stress sets in like, oh, they have to remain on the lists. They have to start playing the game. They have to start maybe, you know, doing things they wouldn't otherwise do to make sure they stay on these lists. So that 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 bit was hard for me to see, especially for these people that, you know, you, you, you get to be close to them. You get to be friends with them, and some of these restaurants you kind of consider to be a second home. Sometimes I know that sounds a little bit silly, but
0: you know uh, you have that not, feeling. You're and, talking
1: to me. That's I get it. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> right, live in a restaurant right? than at home half the time. Anyway. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that part was hard to see. Um, kind of like the aftermath of of the fun of being part of making that list. Um, yeah. So. Did it help you get into restaurants? Like, how, were
0: you like secret? Do they know you're coming? Do they know that well, you were a part of, um,
1: On, did you know, did they know that you were a, ta- a, a judge? No. So, well, that's like the million dollar question. So, no, but yes, especially in Singapore, I think. Um, so, when, when you agree to be a judge, you, you agree to like keep it quiet. You you don't tell anybody, um, and that's, you know, just the way it goes. For whatever reason, it gets to be an open secret, especially in Singapore. Singapore is a very, very small city. Everyone knows everyone else, especially in F&B, whether you're involved as a chef or as, you know, front of the house or as sort of like a professional eater like me um, or a writer. So everyone knows everyone, and it, it, you sort of figure out who's a panelist and who's not, um, even if you don't openly say it. Um, it did help me get into a couple of restaurants only because I would ask the chairperson, the regional chairperson, if she could help me get into some place that I wasn't able to get on my in on my own. And so she would call on my behalf, and suddenly I would get in. And now, did you have to pay for the like? did I did always pay. I, I always pay for every everything I do, for, for for all of the judging, for all of the writing that I do, I I always pay, um, which is not to say that I haven't, like, in, when I was in Asia, I would get invited to media tastings and things like that, but, um, you know, for places that I reviewed for Lifestyle Asia or, you know, for places that I voted for as part of Worlds or Asia 50 Best, I, I would always pay. And did
0: see fest did they reimburse you at all? Or no, 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 So no. it's just like pro bono, but you get to go to like... It's
1: pro bono, yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, do you get to go to like the big celebration at uh Yeah, yeah, but I wouldn't go. Year. I wouldn't go. Um, I got invited. Um, you you always get to go. You always get to attend, but I just, I, I didn't want to go um, because, how do I say? Again, it goes back to the whole like... Say it in Italian. <laughs> That's not. No, they're like, How do you say. How do you say? <laughs> I didn't want to piss people off. I didn't want to fuck them No, it wasn't that. It was. It, it, it was the whole political aspect of it. You know, it, it's the same way with me at work. Like, I hate the politics of my com, like whatever company I'm working for. I hate the politics, and I hate the politics of this. Like, I try to avoid politics as much as possible. And with World's 50 Best and Asia 50 Best, it's a lot of politics. Oh, It's for a sure. lot of playing the game. And well, because I just, I,
0: it's uh you know it all depends on who the judges are and what restaurants they go to and it's um i think it's a pretty good list in general but i you know there's a yes. um it, it's so hard to i mean you're ranking the 50 best in the world there's no way that like you can go to like you know 100,000 of the restaurants in the world so it's kind of like a concept that doesn't make a lot of sense to begin with but you got to yeah. do ranking anyway so it's the best that we can come up with
1: yeah it's it's it is and 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 i agree with you i i, I do like that list especially if i'm going to you know a new co- country for the first time and i you know i'll do my research on where to eat i'll try to eat at as many local places as possible but i also want to see if there's any place like you know, on the 50 best list or, you know, if there's a Michelin guide, see what, you know, what they have to say about it. So I, I think it serves its purpose, but, you know, to your point, there's no way that you can eat at all of these places. And I think that was another, another problem I was having. So, you know, in addition to the stress that it was placing on all of these people that you come to look at as family to sort of see the behind the scenes, you know, what sausage making, for lack of a better phrase, like, you know, so this this chairperson and, you know, there at the end, she and I were constantly butting heads, I think, um, you know, even publicly at some points where we would, I would just call her out for some of the stuff that she was trying to get away with. And I think one of that was she had her lists of places that she kind of held near and dear. And so when other panelists would reach out to her and say, you know, so-and-so, can you help me, you know, find a place to go to? She would always have that that list of places. And you would get on that list of places by being in her good graces. If you were out of her good graces, you weren't on that list of suggestions, right? And if you think about it, sh- she's giving suggestions to panelists. And if those panelists go to those places, they're obviously going to be more likely to vote for those places than places they don't go to, right? I mean, it's just a logical yeah. logical outcome of that whole process. And so I think, the list can be padded that way. For sure. Like if 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 you're in the good graces of, you know, the people who are making the decisions, then you're you're much more likely to be on that list than than otherwise.
0: That's cool. Okay. Switch gears a little bit. Yep. So what is, in your opinion, the best restaurant you've yep. ever been to?
1: <laughs> oh shit, man. Am I allowed to say shit?
0: You can say whatever the hell you want.
1: The best restaurant I've ever... Oh my god, man! I know it's hard. Uh, oh god damn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so the <laughs> there, there's so many different ways I could go with this question. I mean, there's, there's, there's restaurants where like objectively and subjectively you'll tell yourself you'll never have any better there's restaurants that you go to that you'll say i love this place so much i never want it to leave my life i want it to be a part of me always and there's restaurants where you go to and you're like i did not expect this holy crap this is amazing right let's let's go through each each category so each category so Objectively, subjectively, it's going to be um, Kikunoi Hontan in Kyoto. It's this, it's a kaiseki restaurant in oh, Kyoto.
0: We, we had, so we were supposed to go to Japan. Yeah. I had a reservation there. COVID hit. Yeah. So, yeah. but tell people what it is. I want to go there I, so
1: bad. It, I. It's, it's, it's another world and another time. I mean, you feel so transported. It's, it's, traditional Kaiseki restaurant in Kyoto. They've had three Michelin stars since the Kyoto Michelin guide came to be. Um, They just, they have a long history of, of influencing, you know, other Japanese chefs around the country. I mean, they're, they're, they're a stalwart and I mean, just every, every moment of that meal from, from pulling up in the taxi and they must've had cameras or something along Along the road, kind of leading this, leading up this tree-lined road where they knew we were coming, and they had staff outside to greet the taxi, leading us in through this this beautiful structure into a private tatami to mat room with this little waterfall on the outside. It, it was just absolutely beautiful, and the food. Um, and and keep in mind, I w- I'm trying to remember, it was either 2009 or 2010 that I went, so we're talking like. 10 years ago, at least I can still remember that it it was the most perfect dish that I had. And keep in mind, Kaiseki is very seasonal. So I had gone in the summer and, you know, sweet corn was in season, things like this. And one of the latter courses in the meal was this, this cold vegetable terrine with corn ice cream on top. And it was just, oh my gosh, I'm like getting goosebumps just thinking about it now. Like the textures and the temperature and the flavors and the sweetness and just like everything about the food and the setting. I, I, I won't have a better experience to this day. And I haven't had a better experience to this day. So when you're
0: like, when did you know in the meal that it was super special? Um,
1: I think it hit every single course. Like, like I said, the moment that they greeted us, The moment we were led in and I I went with a friend, I usually dine alone. That's another quirky thing about me. But this time I had taken a friend with me. The moment we were led into our tatami mat room and then just each course they brought out is like, how can this get any better? And then like 10 courses in that, that corn ice cream hit. And I'm, (laughs) you can, you can, you can see me on video chat right now. I'm still kind of like bowled over by it.
0: Yeah. Well, if you can remember like the taste of something from 10 yeah. years ago, like, yeah, that's special for sure. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, and then the second category, like a place that you always want to be a part of your life. I'm going to start crying here. Um, so I uh, there's a restaurant in Singapore called Nori, N-O-U-R-I, Um yeah, i I'm, I'm 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 speechless like it, it, it's such a special restaurant it's 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 a brainchild of this gentleman his name's Ivan Brem Um, he's he's probably the most intellectual and romantic person i've ever met in my life um and he he's the chef his whole concept is um sort of bringing people together through food but in a very particular way. So he he looks at food from like a historical and cultural perspective, right? So asking, you know, questions like, you know, what is a curry? What are noodles? Things like that. So, you know, taking foods and concepts that every culture and every country shares, but finding ways to kind of tie it all together so that, you know, me as a white american might taste something and find something familiar that's completely different from what like a singaporean malay might find you know enticing and familiar about that dish and it's kind of just like unifying and, and he does this across like space and time like there there's there, there's he really puts a lot of thought and research into his dishes and it's just so it's so special and so unique I've never been to an, a restaurant like it before, and I don't think I ever will. And you know, and Ivan as a person, he's you know, he's the kind of person he makes me want to be a better person through kind of like his vision and his mission and what he wants to do with food and how he sees it bringing people together. And I just you know, I miss him and I miss that restaurant so much. So um, what's
0: what's one
1: like outstanding dish you had there? Oh my goodness. Every t- every time I've been there, I've found an outstanding dish. I think one of his early dishes was this. Um, so there's this there's this um, Eurasian dish called curry devil, which basically tastes like it sounds. It's a very spicy um, curry. There's a lot of chili in it. It's very red, and he had done it um, over like a poached um, poached chicken breast. So, and I can send you a picture of it later, but it was just so elegantly plated, so beautiful to look at. And, and the taste was phenomenal. Like I love, and I know people who will like think the opposite, but I love going to restaurants and ordering chicken because that's when you can, that's when you can tell like how good a restaurant is like, you know, what they can do with like a simple piece of chicken. And he just knocked that out of the galaxy Um, and then one of the dishes that I had before I left, um, was, it was like a beef short rib, but it was like coated in this like Mexican mole inspired (laughs) sauce that was just, it was so special. So how often would you eat at that restaurant? Uh, not as often as I was I would like because it was a little bit expensive. <laughs> um, but I, I I I ate there more times than I can remember. <laughs> That's awesome. And and the other good thing about him was so you know and I I don't know if this trend has hit Charlotte yet, but in Singapore, doing collaboration dinners was a big thing. Like inviting chefs from other restaurants to do like a.
0: It's know, like kind of. Uh... I wouldn't say it's super
1: big, but it there's a lot of co- collaboration going on in Charlotte. Yeah. So Ivan would do this, but he would invite chefs you would never think of. Like they were kind of from left field. So this restaurant that I kind of alluded to earlier that I was obsessed with in Malaysia, he invited that chef to Singapore to do a collaboration dinner. It was probably one of the most memorable experiences I've ever had because I've never seen two people so in sync with one another and so just like wordlessly intertwined that every single dish that came out of the kitchen that night, it was just, it it was magical. Um, And that's another thing I, I, I loved about Ivan and his restaurant. I love it. Now, what was the third category? <laughs> third category, a restaurant you would go to that you weren't expecting to be oh, yeah. knocked out. Oh, yeah. So this one, this one was actually in Copenhagen um, when I went, oh, my God, it's been so long now. September 2019, um, I went to a restaurant called Selma. Um, it was a, and I, I'm never going to be able to pronounce this word correctly, S'moreboard? S'morebrood? Yeah. board. Or yeah, like that. that word. It was that. <laughs> it was that restaurant. And and funnily enough, um, the no, night that, that the, I went. To, oh, really?
0: is that the one? Like, it's pretty old. Somewhere is it new?
1: I I don't know to be honest. I I don't know. Um, I think they're kind of they're a little under the radar. I I, I do think they're in the Michelin Guide, but there's a Bib Gourmand potentially. Um, so. They are known to some degree, but when you ask people what s'moreboard restaurant I should go to, that's not one I normally hear, except the night that I went to Noma, my friend and I, we kind of, we befriended another table and they were telling us like, you know, places they had gone and they had all raved about Selma. And so we managed to kind of sneak it in. Um, at the last minute but it was it was funny too because we were so at that point we were so broke (laughs) like Copenhagen's a really expensive place right oh yeah it is so bloody expensive and by that point we were kind of broke and we're like you know what we're gonna go in we're gonna have like one dish and get out of there and I think we were there for two or three hours we shared four (laughs) or five dishes lots of schnapps because it it was just so spectacular like I mean that was just good old-fashioned cooking that those guys did there. And it was, I, I did not expect that to be my favorite meal in Copenhagen. Um, but it was. Yeah. Those are the best. Okay. Now what's the worst meal you've
0: had? Or like not the worst meal, but like, what's a restaurant that you were like had high expectations or you're like fell flat?
1: <laughs> oh, if only you knew the question you were asking me. So, um, <laughs> You know, I'm just gonna say this restaurant's name. So there's this restaurant in Singapore called Iggy's, um, and it's been around for like a million years. It's very highly regarded in Singapore. Um, at one point, and I think this was maybe the year, the year or two right as I was moving to Singapore, they were they were on the Asia 50 best list. And so, and this was, so I moved to Singapore right like right on January 1st 2014 and I think I went there in February um with a friend and we were very excited to go and you know it was one of these meals where you get there the whole dining room is just a buzz everyone in the dining room is excited to be there and you're waiting for the meal to begin and the dishes start coming out and it's like what the hell is going on here well, I don't understand and then you realize that you're not the only person who thinks that because everyone else in the dining room is just going dead silent. And it, it was such a phenomenally bad meal that I swore off fine dining for like three or four months. Like I I, I had just moved from New York. I, I, you know, New York fine dining, I mean – you know how it is in New York. I mean, come on. So you, you kind of have that frame of reference. You get to Singapore, you have that bad of a meal, you start to question your life choices. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, and, but it, you know, a lot of good came out of it. So number one, um, I made it a habit of every night traveling to some new hawker center on the island after work. And so I got to know Singapore very well. I got to know um, hawker culture very well. I got to know a lot of the local dishes very well. So I... I thank Iggy's for that experience. Um, I guess another couple things came out of that. Um, a few years later, they changed chefs and everybody was telling me, Oh, Tim, you've got to go back to Iggy's. The chef is phenomenal. I'm like, Oh no, I, I I really can't like, no, 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 Tim, you got to go. So I went there for Christmas Eve. Um, I can't remember what year this was, 2017, 2018. And it, they were right. It was a phenomenal meal. That chef, he's since moved on to his own restaurant. Um, he got Iggy's their first Michelin star. When he left to do his own restaurant, he his own restaurant got a Michelin star. I mean, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. So they were able to to sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? They recovered from that. Yeah. Um, the sort of coda to this whole dramatic story with Iggy's was about a year and a half ago, they were celebrating I want to say there's a their 15th anniversary or something like that. And they were partnering with a local chef to do like a collaboration dinner to celebrate their 15th anniversary. And, and I can't remember what the wording of their Facebook or their Instagram post was, but it was something it was something very inappropriate, like the the most the most legal fun you can have with something that's 15 years old or something very much along those lines. I can send you the post. And I saw that post and I and I was back in the States at that point. I had moved back to the States and I reacted very viscerally to it. I basically called them out on Instagram saying, you know, how dare you as a Michelin starred restaurant make jokes about, pedophilia and sex trafficking like how very dare you and remember Singapore Singapore and US are on very different time zones okay so this was like US during the day I go to sleep I wake up the next morning I had hundreds of direct DMs on Instagram and I had emails apparently this story this had gotten picked up by the Straits Times which is like the New York Times of Singapore and a couple of other online publications like this whole interaction (laughs) And and they, they they got the restaurant to issue an apology and everything else, but, but it was it was just so hilarious for me because I was asleep when all of this was happening, and and I lost a lot of friends because of that. Like a lot of people that I had actually thought I had friendships with who would like babysit my cat when I was traveling abroad, you know that type of friend, no longer spoke to me. They like severed ties. With me on Facebook and Instagram, and it was all all for calling this restaurant out for their their inappropriate jokes. But you know, Iggy's—it's like it's like the gift that keeps on giving.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah. Sometimes uh, you need to go to a restaurant like that to to remind you that of those really special times. It's like not every restaurant (laughs) can be amazing, and you go to those ones and you remember like it makes the other ones just that much more special. Because
1: exactly.
0: cause you're like, okay, this is supposed to be really good, and it's kind of shitty.
1: <laughs> what, what What about you? What's the worst meal you've had?
0: Um, The most disappointing was Osteria Francescana, I think. For really? B- yeah. Because really? it just... Uh, have you been there? No, I haven't. So, you know, his stuff's so creative. And he actually came out and was amazed, like, exactly how you'd want him to be. But you're just in uh, – just the dining room, it's very sterile. It's not like – you know how mo- like how a Noma is? It's very open. There's stuff happening all over the place. Like, it's a, it's a scene. In there, yeah. it was kind of like going to a, a fancy Italian restaurant in, like, the 50s. Like, how you yeah. would go uh, back when Little Italy was Little Italy. And there – and so the atmosphere was weird. And then just the dishes just weren't um, – it just wasn't up to what the number one restaurant in the world you would think would be. Yeah. So that was probably, that was definitely the biggest disappointment. We've, we have definitely had some other ones that we were like, eh, not the biggest fans of. But that that's the one that comes to mind. And it was still, like, really good. But as far yeah, as disappointing, like...
1: Especially after all that trouble you have to go through to get a reservation there.
0: Oh, oh God. That was, like, insane. Because it's, yeah. like, Italian servers, like like internet servers yeah, yeah. the whole time you have to do it on italian time which is seven hours exactly. ahead so yeah. it was like i forgot what time it was but it was like 3 a.m i woke up i'm like <laughs> going, and just like insane i got it i'm so happy i like wake up Yvonne. she's like shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> and then but not only that it's in modena which is in the middle of nowhere like we were yep. staying in florence it's a two-hour basically train ride triangulation to get there and that's that makes it fun like so the so it's just like building up the high like we're on this train then we're here then we're like waiting outside and then like you go in and then it's just kind of flat and that is um
1: you know it's so funny you say that because you know he has this the second brand concept i guess you call it the, the gucci he partners with gucci to do a like a, I don't know what it's called, Gucci Osteria or something yeah. um, that he has in Italy. So they, they actually came to Singapore to do like a one month residency. And so it was a big deal. It's like, you know, everybody's chance, everybody in Singapore's chance to finally eat, you know, his food. He wasn't there, of course. I mean, it was it was people like actually associated with, you know, the Gucci concept. But it uh, it was... I'll, I'll forward you the link to the post that I wrote about it. <laughs>
0: like some of the dishes, like I still think of a few, like the five ages of Parmesan. Amazing. Yeah. And, um, he, he had this like tail. So one thing I do is I don't really drink like we do, but we don't do the wine pairings. I normally do the non-alcoholic pairings. Same, same.
1: Cause that's, Cause I, that's more fun that way. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I don't want to like get blackout drunk because if yes. you the wine pairings, you're going to get blackout drunk. you're going to forget everything. So I like to do the non-alcoholic ones because they're they do cool stuff like yes. So so some of those were amazing. Um, yes. he did a poppy one that was like with coffee beans and orange, and I still think about that. Um, oh, some, that sounds fun. So did you
1: did you have the one the the, the crunchy part of the lasagna dish? Um I don't think that was on that one ah uh, okay okay that 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 was a dish that he well that they did for the gucci pop up in Singapore, and I think it was the dish that everyone was looking forward to the most because it gets you know talked about yeah. a lot, but there's this I think it fell flat because there's you know the the crunchy bit of the lasagna was basically this like rice cracker on top of of you know the meat sauce and the bechamel and everything and and in in Singapore and Malaysia. There's this thing called kettle poke, which is like a basically like a rice cracker, and so like everyone around me, like we're all eating this dish, and all I hear around me is kettle poke, kettle poke, kettle poke. So everyone was kind of associating it with something very local that they had like a strong frame of reference for, and that frame of reference does not include it being served on meat sauce and bechamel. (laughs) So I think it, it just didn't translate well to the location um but other it could have been an otherwise good dish but just not for that venue and
0: that's the beauty of food is you can serve the same dish two thousand miles away
1: and And everyone loves it yeah yeah (laughs) or or lamb too funny oh man it's so funny to hear that you also do juice pairings like i I could tell you a wine pairing story the first time i went to 11 madison park that Ended up with my friends sexually harassing our 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 <laughs> server oh, the evening. It did it didn't end well. <laughs> uh, Eleven Madison Park was
0: one, so I've been there
1: twice. Yeah. The first time
0: I went, 2011, 2012. All same. And it was amazing. Like they
1: served the whole duck breast, like the yep. whole and that duck breast is fantastic. That's that that's was that top. when they were still that was when they were still doing the grid menu, right? Yeah, they yeah. To pick like yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and that that meal was awesome. And, like, so many fun
0: things. And then I went back with Yvonne two or three years ago and just comparing it, like, they instead of serving the whole duck breast, they just had, like, one thin slice of it.
1: Yeah. I was like, that kind of (laughs) sucks. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's changed a lot. I've been there a few times, like, kind of at different iterations. You know, I used to work in that building. So that was a very, You worked for Credit Suisse? um, Yeah, I used to work at Credit Suisse. Um, so that was, that was, um, occupational hazard. Like I would walk out of work every day and like walk right well, by. You got Shake Park. Shack there too. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Like the
0: legit OG <laughs> Shake Shack. So um, I was, so do you remember, um, what was, uh, God, what was that location thing you used to check in? Um, what was that app called? I'm, oh, I'm blanking
1: the mayor of the location.
0: Yeah, I was the mayor of Shake Shack, the original one, for like a <laughs> solid three weeks. Are you and serious? I was so happy. Yes, that was like the biggest like deal.
1: <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> God, what was
0: that thing called? That's like.
1: What was it called? It begins with an S. S S Square. Squarespace. Square. Nah. Square. Squares. Square, square, yeah, no. it was
0: something like that though. Square. Hold on, I'll I'll try and doodle it. Um
1: mayor of... So so where'd you live in New York? Uh, Upper West Side, 80th and Columbus, right behind the museum. Which I I thought was a good idea at the time until Thanksgiving rolled around and that's the neighborhood where they blow up all the balloons for the Thanksgiving Day parade. (laughs) And so my first year there, like I, I... I, I walked down. I, I walked down to like buy some wine from my my favorite wine shop around there, and I was trying to walk back, and I could not get back home because like the police had blocked off all of the intersections and everything else. I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to get home? Like I live right there. I just I just want to go across the street. It's terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I didn't do so. My favorite restaurant in the entire country yep. is is the Co Bar mamafuku co bar okay i love i just like i'm a dave chain fan i've been to co yeah. i went to the original co i've been to the same new yeah Ko, yeah but the co bar i feel like is it's not pretentious you can just you just walk in there they serve yeah. amazing food um their fried chicken's the best i
1: just oh the cold the cold
0: fried chicken yeah, or yeah.
1: something yeah you know I was really bummed because i so when I was still looking for a job i i had I got flown out to New York for one night um to do an interview, and I basically had a choice like I, I either go out to eat or I go see a musical and i'm 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 a huge musical theater nerd like I have like four or five four or five of my tattoos are musical theater related. And so I I, I chose, I chose the musical. So I went to see Jagged Little Pill. And I was trying to find a place afterwards, at least find, you know, have a quick bite to eat. But, you know, I called Contra and Contra said that, you know, they couldn't keep the kitchen open that late. Um, And Cobar was the same, like they were, it was right on the border of them closing. And I told them, look, it's probably gonna take me like 30 minutes to get downtown, I really want to eat there. Like, oh, sorry. Um, So I ended up at um, the Aldo Somme wine bar, you know, the thing that's like downstairs below La Bernadette. Yeah. <laughs> it was so random, but I just, you know, I, I, I made my bed. I had to lie in it. Um, so I was disappointed that I couldn't go to Co Bar. Um, but no, I have fond memories of the original Co. Like I remember, so I was living in Tokyo at the time and, you know, I had read that like wonderful New York Times review that, that came out about it. And I, and so I was too much information. I was working for Lehman Brothers at the time. And then I was part of that whole bankruptcy debacle. That was before 2008. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was part of the bankruptcy debacle and like Nomura had acquired Lehman Brothers in Asia. So I was part of that acquisition. And then I had to go to New York for like a month and a half to do work for Nomura. And so before I went, I had contacted an old friend from Tokyo who was living in New York. And I was like, dude, he's a computer programmer. I was like, dude, like, I really want to get into Co, But according to the New York Times, they have, like, this ridiculous online reservation system. Yeah. yeah. And it's impossible to book. I was like, let and me go like to like before
0: that, They were, like, one of the first ones that did online bookings. And yes, they, exactly. Whole, and it was their it was, own it, thing. It was they, their
1: own, and it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I remember that. I got I Yeah, I remember that. Well, and I, made, I was like, dude, I'm going to make a deal with you. You find a way to hack into this system and get us a reservation, and I will buy you dinner. And sure enough, he did it on his second try. He got us in. We, we went in. And we were very nervous because we had read this New York Times review where it was like, you don't ask questions. Yeah, exactly. You don't ask for a substitute. And, and <laughs> we were so nervous. And so the chef, um, and I can't, what, what was his name? He, Serp, I want to say, Serp, not, not Serpico. Why do I think his name is Serpico? Sean um, Gray? No, the, the other guy. He's the one now. Um,
0: the first, I anyway. He, I think he was, like, an assistant. I think he was there, but he was, like, the
1: assistant. Um, it was one of those guys. They came up to us at the beginning of the meal. And, like, do you have any restrictions or allergies or whatever? And my friend and I looked at each other and were like, what are we supposed to say? If we say we have a <laughs> restriction, are they going to kick us out? What do we do? Um, but... I I just, I remember that meal, I mean, not only for the food, um, but the wine pairing that night is probably the best wine pairing I've ever had. And again, this was like 10 or 11 years ago. I won't forget that wine pairing.
0: Yeah, that was, I just remember they had a, They serve, like, foie gras. That was, like, one of their signatures. But they served it, like, three ways, and they served one of it. It was frozen, and they shaved it. They still do that now. They still do that, but
1: the portion size has gotten so tiny. Like, Oh, yeah. This huge <laughs> dish of <chien> shaved <laughs> foie gras, now it's, like, yeah. now it's, like an amuse-bouche, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, they,
0: and then they had, like, a root... One of the desserts was root beer flavor or something.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, I vaguely remember that, yeah.
0: This was, like, literally the first... That was, like, the first... Find like really high end fine dining thing I'd ever been to, and I was like, What is happening? Crazy,
1: what's going on?
0: But it was so cool. Like, I loved uh, that's one of my favorite meals I've ever had. Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely
0: agreed. All right, let's talk about Charlotte a little bit. Yes, so so from you know, you've lived in some of the best food cities in the world, you come to Charlotte, yeah. Never been to Charlotte before. Never been
1: to North Carolina before.
0: So what's your, like, and you've been here a couple months now. So what's your, like, initial reaction to the Charlotte food scene?
1: I'm happy. I'm happy Um, with the food scene. Let let, let me qualify that. With the food scene only, I'm happy. Um, You know, it was actually one of the things I was worried about the most, like, as ridiculous as that sounds, like not having a job, trying to find a job, I was actually most worried about the food scene here, because I knew nothing about it. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I, I remember asking the recruiter at my company, I was like, "How's the food in Charlotte? Like, I'm a food writer. Am I going to have things to write about there?" Um, but I get here, and I've, I, I'm happy. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm daily basis surprised about how good and thriving the food scene is here. Um, I think it was my second, I want to say it was my second or third week in Charlotte um, was when I first started going out and I went to Leah and Louise.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, I'm going to get tears in my eyes again. I mean, that restaurant, it is so spectacular. I've been there, I think since August, I just moved here in August. I think I've been there six times already i I am so in love with the food I'm in love with the people who work there I'm in love with every single thing they're trying to do and, and 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 the way they're trying to educate everybody on on that style of food that they're preparing i I'm just i I'm so happy for them and i it's just it's such a sheer pleasure going to eat there you know it was it was the the last time I was supposed to go on New Year's Eve but you know i was I was sick and and I had to bow out but The last time I had went there to eat was um, election day. It was was like that evening where, you know, we still didn't know who it was. It was like the Friday after election day. We still didn't know who the president was going to be. It seemed like it was coming to a conclusion, but there was so much stress and anxiety and uncertainty. And I asked myself, where do I want to go to kind of get away from that? Where do I want to be? And I'm like, I want to go to Leon and Louise. I want to be surrounded by those wonderful people there. I want to enjoy that wonderful food of all the things that I could be doing right now to relieve post-election stress. I, I, I only want to be at Lee and Louise. It's such a wonderful restaurant.
0: I love it. Yeah.
1: They, they. So he had
0: a restaurant here in Rock Hill. That's where I am right now. And it was like a breakfast restaurant. And just to see his success, like. Yeah. That he just got named like top 10 Bon Appetit, Best New Restaurants, like, so happy for him and happy that he found a place and is. And people are going there and understanding, because he does some weird stuff, but he's like, like you said, he's trying to teach you about a certain yeah. type of cuisine. Yeah. It's so good. Couldn't agree with you more. Where Where else do you like, uh, where are some of your other
1: places? Other places that I like, I'm obsessed with Bardo. Absolutely obsessed with Bardo. Like I, I've been there twice. I went there once before they switched to their tasting menu concept, and then once after, and it was. <laughs> I'm still laughing. I, I the second time I went for their tasting menu, they they brought out this dish that was um, soba noodle car- carbonara with like duck fat bacon, and I want to say there was like honey or something on it, but I you know dude brings this dish out i look at it and he explains it and i look at him i'm like you're joking right this is fucking ridiculous like i i just i couldn't hold it in and then i took a bite of it and i'm like oh come here come here come here i gotta tell you something it's like this dish is fucking ridiculous it is so good oh my god what have you done it, it was a ridiculously good dish um, i'm so happy for them um too so i think that restaurant's on fire um and of course, we you know we talked about Sam earlier. Like, I love what he's doing at Counter. Like, bless him. He's so. I mean, how do you describe Sam Hart? He's so out of left field. He's so yeah. kind of playing by his own rules. Um, and I just, I, I I've only been there twice. I'm I, I'm actually going again on Friday, I think. Um, but just like the time between those first two meals I had, just to see how him or he and his 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 team have grown and how more confident they're 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 kind of growing into their skin right with this this weird concept that he has he's trying to he's trying to get people to buy into like i'm really excited to see like what else or what else is going to come from that so that that's always um endlessly enjoyable um another restaurant i'm trying to think i've been to a lot of pop-ups um charlotte seems good for pop-ups there's um oh yeah i'm obsessed with (laughs) mishuggana oh my gosh that you know like they did a pop-up like a week or so ago um and i had i had the the vegan reuben sandwich like i'm on this vegan kick like don't ask me why um so like during the week like if it's a weekend I'll eat meat, but during the week I try to you know stay vegan. And so it happened to be on a Monday, this pop up. And so I got the the vegan the vegan Reuben and um Rob, the the chef, messaged me on Instagram later and he's like, What do you think? I'm like, dude, I don't care what you cook or where you cook it, I will be there. Like <laughs> yeah, he's you, very you, you had me at hello. Um <laughs> but, but you know that's and that's what I'm liking about Charlotte. Um, and it's it's you know one of my very good friends from Singapore, um, Raj. He's he's so dreamy. Um, but Raj, you know, messaged me and he's like he calls me Tokyo. You know, he's like Tokyo. You seem you seem a bit more carefree in Charlotte because you know you're no longer part of this World's Fifty Best game. You're no longer part of this Michelin game. You're kind of just there. You're enjoying the people you're enjoying the food, and I'm like, I think you're right, like there's a lot less pressure here from that aspect, and you just you just see people loving what they're doing and and it it, it shows in the food that they're putting up i'm i'm I couldn't be happier, yeah,
0: I think that's a good yeah, I think where when you came to was a good time, like cause Charlotte's been slowly progressing over the last ten years, and now we've got. Super talented people who have worked, you know, all over the country and the world, coming here and they're starting to cook and we haven't quite done the national notoriety. Although Lee and Louise just got the top ten best new restaurants, but we're still kind of like a hidden gem. But there's a lot stuff yeah. happening, and, and and the chef, I think that's good for the chefs because they don't like they're not competing so much. So it's a very although you listen to Sam and you think he hates everybody, but the <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, there's a lot of camaraderie between the chefs, yeah. um, and I think that's that's really good. Um, but, yeah, it's been interesting to see Sam, you know, do kind of the really first high-end tasting menu and yeah. kind of see these other restaurants like Bardo kind of, oh, it's a concept that can work, so we'll kind of start doing that and just learning from each other. It's been it's been pretty cool over the last 6 months to see that. I'm I'm a big Bardo. I so I think Bardo was really um the first restaurant in town that like was a really something special. Yeah.
1: They are and they and they have this they, there's there's a very young and ridiculously talented pastry chef there named Real and I I, I'm so in awe of her. Like the the, she the, the one second from time. time I, yeah, the yeah yeah exactly. So the second time I went for the tasting menu and I had her two desserts. I just I I could not I could not find enough superlatives to describe those dishes. And when I heard she was like not even 21 years old at the time, she just turned 21. Like. Like, where does this talent come from? And can I please, like, be in your presence to absorb <laughs> some of it? Like, I'm I'm, I'm so proud of her. Um, yeah. But no, they, they have a good team there. Um, Sam does, too. Sam does, too. But, you know, I was teasing Sam the other day. Like, you know, you mentioned that, you know, he's the first to do all these, like, high-end, high-concept tasting menus. He does a lot of them. I mean, he has, oh, yeah. like, I Valentine's mean, it's Day and he, Beethoven and... Oh, yeah,
0: it's amazing. Like, to to do as much as he's doing successfully. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Noma does three menus a year. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. a lot of these big restaurants, they might change the menu, like, a dish every three months. And for him to, like, really explore and execute all these things. And, yeah, you're going to have a miss every once in a while. But for the most part, the meals are incredibly thoughtful and
1: good yeah have you you've been to the fire menu
0: no i so we we went um we did the beethoven one we did just his regular one and then we're going for the fuck the stars one
1: that's ah okay that you know i i that one you know and i told him i was like dude you have so many wonderful menus and i want to go but it's like it's, it's like approaching fear of missing out for me because yeah. it's like, I, I have a lot <laughs> of ball. funds. Yeah, exactly. I, I have my eye on the John Williams menu. Oh, I'm hundred um, percent going to that. 100%. And he, Oh, we should go together. We will. You just tell me and the date. Should, like make it happen. Cause I was sending him like ideas, like inappropriate ideas for dishes based on movies that John Williams has scored. <laughs> and I, and I think if I like said them right now, that I would probably be, Bard from North Carolina. So
0: (laughs) one of my coolest, one of my so I went to NYU. One of my coolest experiences in New York was it was my either my freshman or sophomore year. I don't remember, but they were doing a John Williams tribute at Lincoln Center, and (gasps) it was uh, so he conducted the New York Philharmonic, and they had Steven Spielberg and uh, Martin Scorsese no so but they played so they played like et yeah and he would like play like they showed the movie and then he played the score as it was going. oh yeah 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 and it was so like he just played like all the hits and then the last thing they for the encore they played star wars yeah he was like george lucas couldn't be here tonight but fuck it we're gonna play it anyway and then he just like played it like he's john williams is a man
1: Oh, that would have been wonderful.
0: That was like one of the, that was like, you know how in New York, there's just like moments where you're like, only in New York could this happen. Like that was, that was like my, holy fuck. I'm listening to John Williams an orchestra with Steven Spielberg, like narrating (laughs) E.T. Oh
1: (laughs) man, that sounds wonderful. So Uh
0: yeah, I definitely want to go to that. I'm pushing a Tenacious D menu. That's what I really want him to do. So Tenacious what? Tenacious D. Have you ever heard of them? What's Tenacious D? It's a band with Jack Black. Uh,
1: Oh, okay. That could be fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'll send you I'll send you a link to that. all right So um we always do a recurring segment. Anything else you want to say about Charlotte before we go
1: to our final question? Anything I want to say about Charlotte? No, like I'm still I'm still finding my way here. Like I think it was a super awkward time to move to a new city. Yeah, middle of, middle of COVID's yeah. time. <laughs> no, so I think like even the fact that you and I are speaking right now, I think that is, it's like the highlight of my time so far because I literally don't, I only know the people that I meet when I go out to restaurants, which isn't even that often because I'm scared to death of getting COVID. Um, but the fact that we were able to connect, I think that's so awesome. So you're making Charlotte a better place. Well, what you
0: said about Singapore, I mean, is even more apropos in Charlotte because the Charlotte thing really? is very small and like you know you've already like you know got to like you you met Sam and you you're going to Bardo and you know the chefs and like it's very easy to um get to know people here and they're very friendly and they want like for you just for your perspective like living in Singapore and going to all these amazing places um,
1: oh it, shit I wonder if I have to be careful of what I say i have written i've written a couple of like negative posts like I, I i have a rule that i don't as a rule i don't post negative things but when something is so bad that it becomes an issue i i feel like i have to post so there were a couple of negative posts i've made since coming to charlotte um so i hope i'm not like blacklisted at places no now. no
0: it, first <laughs> of all like i think that we, we're kind of the same way like if we if if it's like mediocre we're just not going to post about it yeah but if it's super bad like yeah it's uh it's good for like because you're coming from a good place which is like you want the restaurant scene to be better like you need to tell you have to have negative reviews now like for you to go on like the first night of an opening and like trash the restaurant yeah that's no no no, that no, no. But, that's tacky, that's tacky. No. but like yeah. if you go and like you have a serious critique, like that's good because how is the restaurant gonna get better?
1: Yeah.
0: All right, so tell us so our one recurring question. Oh, okay. Sam wants me to ask you one question.
1: Oh okay, sure.
0: Why why do you have so many silence of the lamb tattoos?
1: <laughs> um so well I have a lot of tattoos I have so Mm. So I mentioned I have several musical theater tattoos. Musical theater is a big part of my life. I have um, I have a couple of uh, there's a Japanese author Murakami Haruki. So I have a couple of tattoos inspired by novels that he's written. He's also a big part of my life. Silence of the Lambs. I don't know. what. So, you know, I. Are you a serial
0: murderer? Mm.
1: Uh, I, I plead the, i plead the fifth no i'm not i'm just i'm just obsessed with that movie like 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 as an academic i studied film in college that was one of my minors i i you know on my list of top five movies it's there right there at the top i'm obsessed with it so i have two silence of the lambs tattoos i don't have that many um but i do have i don't know if i can show you this on on video it won't translate but i do have Buffalo Bill that scene <laughs> that scene where he's tucking in the mirror and dancing, so that's that's him tucked. I love it <laughs> so that's one of them no, I'm not a serial murderer as much as Sam wants me to be.
0: <laughs> I love it, okay, so our one recurring question we asked everybody, yeah, the best thing you ate this week
1: the best thing I ate this week,
0: yeah. And it could really be of all time, because I don't know what you ate this week. So you can say whatever you want. Wait, what's today? Today's Wednesday? Yeah. Could be last week. Could be last month.
1: No, I'm trying to remember, because, like, look, I was really upset. My plan on Sunday was to go to Botiwala, finally. But they had closed down because someone on their staff contracted COVID. So that ruined my plans. The best thing I've eaten this week? (laughs) so dude I don't know how to answer this question because I I, I've been I've I've only been out once or twice to do some a pop-up that I wasn't a fan of so I won't say anything about it I've been cooking for myself this week well as a vegan do you like plant joy Have you do you go there okay so I'm I'm not strictly a vegan I know um I know. Plant and Joy, I have not been to yet. I'm a, so oh, you. I'm, you
0: need to go there. I went there today. It was very good. That's what I, that's
1: no, I last saw I, Is the uh... my plan is to go there. Um, I I subscribe to Purple Carrot. Yeah, um, it's like freshly or like whatever. It, it, it's it's a food delivery service. It's a vegan. You prepare your meals. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that. Actually, probably the best thing I've eaten this week was um. This avocado toast that I make, I have it for breakfast every day, um, but I kind of ramped it up this week. So it's a piece of sourdough toast that I get from Publix. I put on avocado. Um, I sprinkle it with the Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning. Oh, yes. I put some crumpled blue cheese on it. And then, you know, the trough hot sauce. Do I know the trough hot sauce? I I drown it in that.
0: The hot one or the medium one?
1: um so can i can i show you this actually (laughs) for those of you this is you can tune off now it's fine so i i accidentally ordered two of the magnum size black (laughs) ones because they were they were out of the regular size the the, Um, the uh the hot one's pretty hot yeah so i like the hot one so in terms of heat level the hot one is to my liking the black one I just have is like my basic hot sauce, but the the problem was they were sold out of the regular size, so I had to order magnum, but I didn't realize that I had ordered two magnums. So I have two magnums of black sauce. And I just put it on everything you know I, I i I put it on a piece of toast with jelly the other day, like I was just so desperate, desperate to get rid of it. but I think that the yeah, my avocado toast with the everything but the bagel, the blue cheese, and the the truff sauce is my favorite thing I ate this week. Sounds so lame it's a lame answer, I know.
0: <laughs> no, that was good. Okay. Well, one more question. Yeah. So what's like the what's the one restaurant that you're dying to go to in the world that you haven't been to yet?
1: In the world?
0: Yeah, like the one restaurant you're like, if I my next trip after COVID, this is where I'm going.
1: Oh man, you're putting me on the spot again. <laughs> Like I really, so I have not explored Europe as much as I'm guessing you have. Uh, at least that's the impression I get. You're very, I don't know, I get this European vibe from you. Um, so I yeah. did the Copenhagen thing. I've done the London thing. Um, I haven't really done much else. So I really want to go to some of those great restaurants in Spain. In um, like what? In Barcelona. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to do a whole like yeah. Barcelona. I want to do the whole country. So I think that whole lot of restaurants, um, I would want to try at some point. But one specific restaurant, I don't know. That's good.
0: Barcelona. That's what actually Sam and I were talking. He's like, I think Barcelona, Tokyo, yeah, and uh, Copenhagen are like three.
1: I will say, I I think if if I'm talking about restaurants in the States, um, I really want to go to Atomics in New York. Yes. Um, That's that's top of my list. As soon as New York opens back up, I'm I'm there in a heartbeat. Let's go. Let's go
0: to uh, Atomics. I'm glad you said it out loud because I didn't know that's how it's pronounced. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: guessing
0: that's how it's pronounced. All right, Tim. This has been amazing. Okay, tell the people where... they can follow you Tim Tim Tokyo on Instagram. Yeah, on
1: Instagram, Tim Tim Tokyo, and that's that's all I'm on. The only social media I do.
0: So like besides I, Facebook. And I'll post some of the you've written like some really cool write ups and publications. I'll post those on our um feed. Are there any but you don't have like a specific blog that you
1: do? I don't. You know, it's 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 my personal trainer in, in Singapore had gotten me a, like a website for my birthday one year and for whatever reason it just never took off um i think it was just the fact that i i i have no um what's the word i i can't focus very well like because i'm so busy with work all the time um that outside of work i have a very limited you know even to write the reviews that i i sent you links to those take me a really long time to write because i kind oh, of Oh yeah, it's hard to write something like that like it is it is and... um but yeah tim tim tokyo Tim Tim Tokyo, follow him. Yes.
0: All right. This has been amazing. Everyone yes. have a great week. And uh, go, maybe you'll see Tim out at a restaurant. Say hi.
1: Yes. And I'll see you at John Williams night.
0: Yes. We'll, we'll probably see each other
1: before that. I hope so. Looking <laughs> forward right. to it. Sure. Bye-bye.